This is The Well, the audio broadcast ministry of Henry Wade, senior pastor at Inyo Kern Baptist Church in Inyo Kern, California. Join us today as we take a nice, long, refreshing drink of the living water found only in God's Word, the Bible. Here's Pastor Henry with today's lesson. You know, fellowship is probably one of the things in the church that's easily forgotten to do. We always think fellowship. Okay, we're going to have a potluck. That's a fellowship. Is a part. Let me tell you a story. These two strangers started attending the same church, and they were there for several Sundays. No one spoke to them. One said, I'm going to give this church one more chance. If nobody speaks to me next Sunday, I'll never go there again. The other said, I don't like this non-speaking in church. If no one speaks to me next Sunday, I'll speak to someone. Well, next Sunday, the usher happened to seat both of these men, one in front of the other. As usual, after service, no one greeted the other. The first man rose to stomp out forever, and the second man turned, put his hand out, and said, Good morning, sir. Glad to see you. Fine sermon, isn't it? They both were pleased at having made a friend and continued to come. Two visitors greeted each other and became. You know, it used to be said, and, and it, well, it's still said, but it's very hard to do now, is that uh, a, a new visitor to a church will return if they've had their hand shaken seven times. With COVID, we don't shake hands anymore. So what are we going to do? Maybe talk to them. Say, hi, good morning to you. Glad you're here today. Fellowship. See, we, we mentioned last week, those of you that, that have you know, either watched the sermon or, or hear, that the church in Corinth was actually experiencing all kinds of problems. All kinds of problems. We mentioned that Paul uses, remember, the sandwich approach uh, to deal with problems. And, and to, to, to use this, remember, you begin with a compliment, you address the problem, then you finish with another compliment. Well, the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians, Paul began with the compliment. Now today, beginning in verse 10, he addresses one of the problems in the church. And one of those problems is called divisions. Divisions. And Paul is very much aware that this problem has to be solved. Like, let's look at what Jesus has to say about divisions. It's recorded in Luke chapter 11, verse 17, reading from the English Standard Version. It says, But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. Uh, several of you know that for quite some time while I was at First Baptist Hesperia, I did an intentional interim ministry. In fact, I did an intentional interim here at, at First. Um, but many times in intentional interim ministry, you're into a church setting because... The church is a mess. I mean, there was problems that happened, uh, maybe caused by the previous leadership, maybe not, but a lot of times it's because there's many different groupings in the church and each one wants their own thing. And one of the first jobs is to address that. Now, I wasn't really good at the sandwich approach. Many of you that know me 
I'm not real good at a compliment, address the problem, a compliment. Compliments are such a waste of time. But occasionally, as an intentional interim, that's exactly what's needed in a church. You have to come in like a bull in a china shop and destroy everything. That's my favorite part. Because you have to shake things up for them to come together. You're listening to The Well with Pastor Henry Wade. There's more coming up right after this. Hi, this is Pastor Henry's wife, Michelle. I'm so glad you've joined us for today's audio broadcast. My husband asked me to let you know that he's made his study notes available for download. This is a great way for you to follow along as we enjoy God's Word together, or even for your own personal study time at home. You can find Henry's notes on his website, henryawade.com. And thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to study the Bible with us here on The Well. And now back to our study with Pastor Henry Wade. How many of you like milkshakes or, or that? You like a milkshake? Okay. Now, did you know that the key word to that is shake? Otherwise, you just have ice cream, milk, and flavoring. And they usually end up in the wrong order. Right? I love a good chocolate shake. But if it's not mixed right, all the chocolate lays on the bottom. So you stick the straw in and all you do is get a hit of chocolate, which isn't bad. But it's not the goal of the shake. So when we're talking about fellowship, we're talking about shaking together. Being of one direction. Those of you who have been through the membership classes know that we talk about unity. Focusing on the same direction. We have one mission as a church body here, and that is to seek and save the lost. And we have to develop disciples and grow along with that, but you can't develop a disciple if they're not saved. And most people, when they come in the door of a church, if they're not welcome, they don't come back. Now, whose job is it to welcome them? Hmm. I'm going to put some of you on the spot later today. Or it could be in just a couple minutes. You never know. But if we're going to maintain a good fellowship, folks, I want to tell you that it requires at least three actions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Ready? The very first one is we have to concentrate on Jesus. Okay? We have to concentrate on Jesus. We have this tendency, and I say we, I mean the church as a whole. We have this tendency of thinking that the, the New Testament churches, those are the ones that were, they, they, the first ones Paul's planted, as being ideal or perfect. However, there were none. Why? Because they're made up of imperfect people. You remember the old saying, if you find a perfect church, don't join it or it won't be perfect anymore. I like to think that we're just occasionally a perfect mess, you know, and, and we just, we'll just cruise along and let Jesus fix it. You know? The church at Corinth actually had many problems. It really did, had many problems. And Paul begins by addressing the problem of divisions. He wrote in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the, this is the 10th reference 
to Jesus in the first 10 verses of this chapter. I think he's trying to get him to understand that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When we, see, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we start having the same problems that they had. When Jesus is not the focus of the church, what is? It becomes what we want, not what God wants. I tell many people, after they, if they'll finally get to let me talk with them for a while, is, is if you come here looking for something specific for you, you're probably not going to find it. But if you come here specifically looking for God, you will probably find Him. That's the focus. What's it all about? It's about Jesus. That's the whole thing. You know? And so to solve any problems, we actually need to obey a command. And it's a command that's in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, the second verse, and it's really just the first section of this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Of course, the verse reads, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, letter A. When we don't focus on Jesus, we become selfish and difficult. I'm all the difficult you guys need. I need you to cooperate. Selfish and difficult. And that could be at church. It could be in our homes. Why? Well, so because sometimes we get more concerned with ourselves than with anyone else. The reason is divisions. Divisions cause splits in churches. They cause divorces and marriages. They cause older adult children to not speak to their parents for years. Divisions because they wanted something different. We keep forgetting it's all about Jesus, folks. I'm trying to say that enough times so you get it today. It's all about Jesus. Paul continued in verse 10. He said, in the name of Jesus... Did you get it? That all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. The word translated agree actually means to speak the same thing. Are we all saying the same things? No. They were, they were supposed to speak the same thing regarding the basics of the faith. And letter B for you. Genuine Christian unity is based upon agreement with the fundamentals of the gospel. That gospel as discovered in the Bible. To prevent divisions, we must believe the same thing about salvation by grace. We must believe the same thing about the Bible, about marriage, about baptism. And I could give you a list that we don't have time to go all the way through today. In fact, if we look in the book of Jude, that's way back in the back, we find that he urges his readers. Look at Jude verse 3. It's not chapter 1, verse 3, because there's only one chapter in Jude. Okay. So Jude, verse 3. Dear friends, 
God's Word translation. I had intended to write to you about the salvation we share, but something has come up. And here's the important part. It demands that I write to you and encourage you to continue your fight for the Christian faith that was entrusted to God's holy people once for all time. The word continue that he uses there means to continually and vigorously defend the basics of the faith as they're expressed in the Bible. The word translated or the phrase translated once for all, once for all, it refers to something that is complete, valid, and never changes. Uh, we are to defend the faith and be united in the same mind and the same judgment regarding the basics of the faith. Now, this does not mean, folks, that we need to be carbon copies of each other. You know, someone once said we don't have to be twins to be brothers and sisters in Christ. However, we must agree on the fundamentals or there will be divisions. So we're going to maintain a good fellowship. We have to concentrate on Jesus. The second thing we need to do is we need to cultivate unity. Cultivate unity. It's difficult to have unity when the church is divided all over the community. Or in this case, all over the United States. We have people viewing in several states throughout the week. They're not here. Uh, And it's hard to have unity when you don't even know where they are or who they are. But we need to focus on having unity on those that we know and those that we reach here locally. And if you reach somebody at home, that's wonderful. You know, we, we need to focus on that. Look, at, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. 11 and 12, New Living Translation. God's Word reads, For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others saying, I follow, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Well, Paul had received this report, folks, from someone in the household of a woman named Chloe. Well, Chloe is evidently a woman of sufficient means to be running a household with servants, clients, and perhaps even children. It was not uncommon for widows to run their households. It may be that Chloe's house is in Corinth and that some of her servants or grown children have come to Ephesus with news or possibly the opposite. Her house is in Ephesus where Paul was and members of it had returned from a visit to Corinth and they had news. But either way, this report informed Paul about quarrels or contentions among the believers. These quarrels were not about the basics of the faith but about personalities. In this this large and diverse Corinthian church, the believers favored different preachers because at this time there was still no written New Testament. So the believers depended heavily on preaching and teaching for spiritual insight into the meaning of the Old Testament. At this time, the church was in danger of dividing. Now, by Paul mentioning Jesus ten times in the first ten verses, he makes it clear who all preachers and teachers should emphasize. And that's not all preachers and teachers for the Corinthian church. 
That's all preachers and teachers. Dot, dot, dot. Doesn't ever change. Doesn't ever change. God's message, folks, is much more important than any human messenger. Now, there were basically four cliques, if you will, in this church. There was the Paul clique. That's letter A. Probably because he established the church. There was the Apollos clique. Now, Apollos, in case you aren't familiar with him, he was a Jew from the city of Alexandria in Egypt. And he was what was called learned. He was learned, or in some uh, southern churches, learned. But which, which means, folks, that he had been thoroughly trained by the rabbis in the scriptures. It was fashionable, if you will, among Alexandrian Jews to interpret the scriptures symbolically. In other words, as an allegory rather than literally. Apollos was probably steeped in this method and probably also in rhetoric. And, and the in, in intellectual style of oratory and debate was very popular at that time. So the style, though not the content of Apollos' preaching, probably differed from Paul's. Apollos went to Corinth to teach and debate the Jews after Paul left there for Ephesus. He probably appealed to the Greek believers who loved eloquent speaking skills. Letter C, there was the Cephas or Peter clique. The Cephas or Peter clique. Now some probably followed him because he was one of the original 12 and the hero of Pentecost. These were these three were all great servants of Christ. However, none of them promoted themselves to this kind of division. And then the fourth click, letter D, was the Christ click. Now, at first glance, this might appear to be the right crowd, but they were probably spiritually arrogant. Paul likely includes them in this list because they were called a super spiritual click. They thought that they were spiritually superior to everyone else. You know, those people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The holier than thou crowd. I'm sure you've all felt a, a Bible on your head at least once from one of them. You know? We all, we all have people who are special to us. Probably because they led us to Christ or maybe they helped us grow spiritually. As, as, as someone once said, and I've actually heard this, everyone's favorite pastor is the one they used to have. Yeah, that's their favorite, the one they used to have. You know. It's only natural. It's only natural to have a special affection for these people. However, if that affection causes division in the church, it becomes a sin. If you are a spiritual person who has been taught by a spiritual believer, you will bring unity, not disunity, to your church. In doing that, you will actually obey a command Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, in English Standard Version. God's Word says, Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
Does every church always have peace? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. You know what the real issue is? It's people. Because every person has their own mind. And in that mind, they have their own desires and their own thoughts and their own visions of what should be. I, I, I like it in that almost everyone in the church has an opinion that's usually neat, plausible, and wrong. Now, do you remember the third component of the fruit of the Spirit? It's peace. It's at peace. See, believers filled with the Holy Spirit always promote peace and unity. So if we're going to maintain fellowship, we need to concentrate on Jesus. We need to cultivate unity. And number three, we need to elevate the cross. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. Look, I'm going to read 13 through 17 for you from the Christian Standard Bible. It says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? He goes on, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus beyond that. I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Paul here has just destroyed the validity of following personalities by simply asking three rhetorical questions in verse 13. Is Christ divided? Does he want his church divided? No. In fact, look at what our Lord prayed for the followers in John chapter 17, verse 22. English Standard Version. He said, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Folks, letter A, Christ is not divided. Oh, I put the wrong color on that, didn't I? That's not, N-O-T, not divided. <clears throat> And his spiritual followers shouldn't be either. Then Paul says, was Paul crucified for you? No. Christ was crucified for us. And then he says, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. In what is called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says we should go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice he said in the name singular? Not names. Let me, think, let me give you an illustration. When somebody asks my full name, I reply, it's Henry Allen Wade. That's th is that three names or is it one full name? It's one full name. God's full name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But there is one name that best sums up his full name. And that name best reveals himself. It's Jesus. In fact, in the book of Acts, when people are being baptized in the name of the Trinity, God's full name is sometimes abbreviated. In fact, at those times, people are baptized in the name of Jesus. That's in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 19. The point is, don't follow people. Follow Jesus. Now, I know occasionally you hear this kind of message because the pastor's getting ready to leave. I ain't going nowhere. You're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. I ain't going nowhere. But what I'm telling you is, don't follow our church because of me. Follow because you're finding Jesus here. Folks, because sooner or later, people will disappoint you. (laughs) If you want to be let down, you just follow people. They'll make a mess of everything. And to emphasize this point, Paul writes that he is thankful he only baptized Crispus and Gaius. Now, Crispus. Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue in Corinth. His whole household believed and was baptized. That's in Acts 18. And since the letter to the Romans was written from Corinth, we know that Gaius is the person in whom Paul, in whose home Paul stayed and the church originally met. Besides these two, Paul remembers baptizing the household of Stephanus. They were actually Paul's converts in Achaia, which was a province of Greece. And in Corinth was actually the capital of Greece at the time. Now, letter B, folks. Paul is not minimizing the importance of baptism. Importance of baptism. We got to pick better colors next time. (laughs) That's hard to read that. Maybe I'll put it in red. See, he is, he's not just pointing out that he didn't personally baptize most of his converts. That was done by his associates, like Silas or Timothy. In fact, Jesus practiced the same procedure. If you look with me at John chapter 4, verse 2, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. Back in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to write, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul is emphasizing his number one priority is to preach the gospel, without which, folks, no one would be needing baptism. Paul goes on. He goes on and he writes that Christ sent him to preach the gospel, but not with words of eloquent wisdom. It means that without philosophical reasoning or secular learning. Why? So so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its power. See, simply preaching the cross has awesome power. Have you ever had the, the pleasure of listening to a message by the late Billy Graham? They were never complex. They were always simple and they focused on two things. Christ and Him crucified. That's the cross. The cross has awesome power. 
Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 32, a New International Version. It says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The phrase lifted up refers to Christ's death on the cross. The, the word all, I looked that up in the Greek, means all. Jesus offers salvation experience to all people. Not just the Jews. Jesus' incredible love for all people as expressed on, in His death on the cross will draw the lost and unify the saved. If the cross of Christ, folks, doesn't compel you to maintain unity in the church and in your home, nothing will. So three things. Maintaining fellowship requires us to concentrate on Jesus. We need to elevate the cross. And we need to cultivate unity. See, if credit for Christ's saving work were given to Paul or anyone else, it would be diminishing the power of the gospel and it would be essentially rendering void its purpose in our lives. The gospel's purpose is to do what they cannot do on their own. Free them from sin and put them in a right standing with God. You've been listening to The Well, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Henry Wade, Senior Pastor at Inyo Kern Baptist Church in Inyo Kern, California. If you'd like to find out more about this ministry, just go to henryawade.com. When you get there, you'll find all of his audio Bible teachings, study notes, social media links, and other helpful resources. And if you'd like to support this ministry financially, there's a button on Henry's webpage to help you do that. Again, that's henryawade.com. Thanks again so much for being with us, dear friend. We hope you can join us again next time here on The Well, where people come and receive the living water. Music